Thank you, Ashley. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing to myself because last week my wife told me how uh, disheveled I kind of look coming up here and unorganized and things like that. And I don't think I did much better this week. And so, um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, you guys, Merry Christmas. Let's turn to one another. This is our Christmas uh, Sunday worship services. Let's turn to a neighbor and say Merry Christmas. Uh, for those who are online, you can shout out. Give us a little shout out in the chat box there, you guys. Um, Maybe it feels like a very different Christmas, but this is uh, our Christmas Sunday worship service, and we just want to honor God and praise Him. You guys, just a little bit of uh, report, uh, update on Pastor Dion Olivia. You know, as I've been talking to him or texting with him throughout the week, I think every time I talk to him, just, uh, yeah, they, I mean, he says like he's feeling better. He's, you know, slowly feeling that they're coming out of it and things like that. And so I just want to continue to pray for them as they recover. We're just praying that this upcoming week, uh, you know, they would as they take tests to make sure that they're in the clear uh, to kind of get come out of quarantine and things like that. So we just want to continue to pray and uh, remember them. Uh, I remember about a little over a week ago now in one of Pastor Dale's emails, uh, he said, he wrote, uh, no matter the circumstances, let's give our best to God in worship today. And as I think about the context in which he wrote that, it was probably him feeling under the weather, uh, him uh, at some point, maybe later that day, finding out that, okay, he's positive and that he's not able to come to church and having to tweak his sermon in a way that uh, we as a church can still receive God's word. And, and even this week, writing the sermon so that it can be read, so that as a church, we can uh, still have God's word, even though our loving and faithful pastor is uh, worshiping online with us, but at home, unable to deliver it himself. And so, you know, I feel like um, just with that same heart that uh, no matter the circumstances, let's give our best to God in worship. And Hopefully, as a congregation, we can honor that same heart and give our best. I know that these may not be uh, the most ideal of circumstances right now, um, but uh, let's give our best to God in worship. And so, um, yeah, with that, I, I just want to start uh, reading here. Church, today is uh, the fourth and final Sunday of Advent. And in the Christian calendar, Advent is a time to hope. It's a time to remember the ancient promises that God would send a Savior while awaiting the fulfillment of the promises that the Son of God would return again to make all things right. It's a time to hope and wait, even amidst the darkness in our world. This year, we're celebrating Advent in the midst of a pandemic that has rocked our world, in the midst of a pandemic that is wreaking havoc. And in the face of disease and death, a glimmer of hope came this week in the form of a vaccine. What a fitting illustration of the hope of Advent. We still sit in darkness. The pandemic isn't over, but we sit with a hope that we didn't have before, a hope that we have not had in months, the hope that the beginning of the end has come for this pandemic. And this is what we remember on a much bigger scale during Advent. The coming of Jesus has given us hope. Even in the midst of a world that is broken, Christmas is a powerful light, a glorious beacon in the midst of darkness. Today, as we look into God's word, I want to look at Advent and Christmas one more time and see how we can find hope even in the year of COVID. Let's look at how we can find comfort by looking at Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And as you turn there, as a reminder, uh, 
Again, we're not going to be having our regular Christmas celebration service uh, this year. Uh, in place of that, we'll be having morning prayer service on Zoom. Uh, it'll be from like 6 to 6.30 a.m. on Christmas morning for anyone uh, who'd like to join. Okay. And with that, Matthew 1.21, it says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This is the word of God, the comforting and assuring word given by uh, the angel to Joseph, the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Our passage not only tells us what the baby born to Mary was to be named, it also tells us the reason why. You are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. What do we see? Two things today. The first is Christmas tells us we've got a big problem. Here at the end of December 2020, we all have our share of problems, don't we? We all do in our personal lives, in our families. In addition to those, our world has a big problem that's been hanging like a cloud over us. It's called COVID-19. So big that it's been called by a pandemic. It's been called a pandemic by all major health institutes in the world. Do you remember that the first time do you remember the first time you heard about COVID-19 before it was ever labeled a pandemic? When news first broke, it was a virus in China, halfway across the world. We were hearing that it had come from a wet market, that it had come from bats. In time, we heard that the virus was spreading throughout Asia into Korea, but it was still more or less an Asian problem to us here in America. But when it started popping up in Europe, we're like, oh man, it's hit the West now. It started to get real. Do you remember when you heard about the first cases of COVID-19 in America? That's when we knew this was a big deal. All of a sudden, it was hitting close to home. We had just finished a sermon series on emotionally healthy spirituality when the pandemic brought our lives to a grinding halt. By mid-March, we had moved everything online. At that point, we had no idea how our lives would be changed. Do you remember? We were all hoping that we'd be back to normal by Easter. On April 3rd, I copied and pasted this on Facebook. It was mainly to remind myself in the future of what was going on in our world. Gas prices are 189, even 169 in some places. School is canceled or meeting virtually, with teachers being both teachers and tech support, and parents working from home while proctoring their kids. Everyone has bad haircuts or long hair. Uh, you guys, I thrived in this area during the pandemic, just personally, okay? Uh, Self-distancing self measures are on the rise. Tape is on the floors at grocery stores and other places to help distance shoppers from each other. Limited numbers of people are, allowing, are allowed inside stores, so lines are forming outside the doors. Non-essential stores and businesses are mandated closed. Parks, trails, entire cities are locked up. Entire sports seasons like the NBA, MLB have been canceled. Concerts, tours, festivals, entertainment events, even the BTS tour are all canceled. Weddings, family celebrations, holiday gatherings are all canceled. Funerals are limited to a specific number and are being live streamed. Churches are all closed during Easter season while worship is held on YouTube, Facebook Live, and meetings are on Zoom. Gatherings have been limited to 50, then 20, now it's 10 
or fewer people. We aren't supposed to socialize with anyone outside our home. People are walking and biking around the neighborhood more than ever. Playgrounds and parks are closed. We have to keep six feet away from each other. There's a shortage, shortage of masks, gowns, gloves for our frontline workers. There's a shortage of ventilators and the beds for all the critically ill. Stadiums and recreation facilities are taking in overflow COVID-19 patients. Panic buying sets in. We have no toilet paper, no disinfecting supplies, no paper, no paper towels, no laundry soap, no hand sanitizer. Shelves are bare. It's hard to find beef, eggs, and milk. We're all sending just one family member to Publix to shop. Manufacturers, distilleries, and other businesses are now changing their product lines to help make visors, masks, hand sanitizers, and PPE. Government has closed the border to all non-essential travel. Big businesses are helping to make more ventilators and more masks for hospitals. President and governor are having daily press conferences updating on new cases, recoveries, and deaths. Barely anyone is on the roads. People are wearing masks and gloves. Essential service workers are afraid to go to work. Medical field workers are afraid to go home and hug their families. It seems so surreal at the time, but nine months later, and a lot of that is still our reality. Who knew how much the actions of a couple people would totally alter our lives? Who knew that someone else's problem halfway around the world would quickly become our problem? When we look back at this year, we are reminded of all that we've lost in this pandemic. I was talking with an infectious disease doctor a couple weeks ago. He was sharing his insights with a few pastors on the nature of pandemics. He said that researchers focus on four Ps when they study pandemics. The first is prevalence. How prevalent is this disease within a community? How high are the infection rates? If you don't have any people within a given community who are infected, that's great. Just be cautious and careful. But if you have high prevalence in a given place, doing anything in that community is risky, even if you take all the precautions. The second P they talk about is proximity. How close do you need to be to an infected person in order to be at risk? That's why the idea of social distancing is so important. The closer you are to someone who's infected, the more likely you are to get sick. The third P is protection. Is there a way to be protected against the infection? That's why masks and hand washing are so important. That's why a vaccine is so important because the virus is most dangerous when there's no protection. And lastly is the per hour exchange of air. How stagnant is the infected air? How much does infected air circulate? This is why it's so much safer to be outdoors than indoors. And if you're indoor, it's crucial to make sure the air filtration system is strong and that disinfection is happening regularly. As medical experts study COVID-19, these four Ps are what makes this so dangerous. Prevalence is increasing. People are loosening their guards when it comes to proximity and are foregoing protection. And as winter comes, people want to spend less and less time outdoors. And the medical community is afraid of what's to come. Less than a year after being called a global pandemic, 75 million people around the world have contracted COVID-19. 1.65 million have died. In America, over 17 million people have had COVID and over 300,000 people 
have died. Here in Florida alone, over 1 million cases with 20,000 people dead. How could the actions of people halfway across the world have affected the lives of billions of people on the planet? The fact that we are rejoicing over the introduction of a vaccine tells us just how big this problem really is. Well, guess what? 2,000 years ago, the first Christmas told us that we have an even bigger problem than COVID-19, a pandemic of far, far greater proportions. It didn't start in the wet market in Wuhan. It started in a garden called Eden. There, the choices of a couple people caused ripple effects throughout the world, and it's impacted everyone. Immediately after the virus of sin entered the world, social distancing took place, not out of protection, but out of shame and fear. They put masks, masks on in the form of fig leaves, not to protect others, but to protect themselves. The symptoms came immediately, suffering on every level, sickness, sorrow, sadness, loneliness, conflict, abuse, hunger, and war. And what if the questions that every epidemiologist asks about pandemics was asked about this one? How prevalent is this virus? How is it contracted? Can you protect against it? The answers will tell us that we have on our hands a pandemic worse than anything you could dream up. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Outbreak, but it's a movie about a pandemic that started in Africa. Those who caught the virus exhibited terrible symptoms that ultimately led to death. The only encouraging sign was that the researchers were hopeful that they had it contained to only close human-to-human -human contact. I still remember getting chills while watching the movie as the lab workers were feverishly searching for vaccines. They discovered that the virus had mutated and become extremely aggressive. They realized that the disease is much more deadly than they thought and far more contagious. I remember the weightiness of the words when the scientist her eyes were glazed over as she announced, it's airborne. The disease could now be transmitted like the flu to anyone. The Bible tells us that the scary thing about the pandemic of sin is that it's far worse, far more contagious than that. Sin is not airborne, it's inborn. That means all of us are infected with it before we were ever born. And every person who contracts the virus would eventually die by the virus. To date, over 100 billion lives have been claimed by sin. It is a crazy, crazy illness that makes us do things we never wanted to do. And the more we engage with others who have it, the worse we get. The virus of sin turns us inward instead of outward and upwards toward God. This infected nature is the reason why we do what we do. Nobody taught us how to lie. There's no course on blaming our siblings. We didn't have to ask Siri how to cheat on a test or ask Alexa to teach us how to complain. And under the right circumstances, we are capable of doing all kinds of evil things, things we swore we would never do, things we never wanted to do, things that caused so much hurt to people that we loved. The virus of sin isn't outside of us. It's within each of us. The heart of the problem is a problem of the heart. Just like we can downplay COVID-19, we do that with sin also. 
but its effects are everywhere. The Bible tells us that, that this is why Christmas was necessary. Friends, let's not get this mistaken. Jesus is not the reason for the Christmas season. He's the heartbeat of it. He's the focus of it. He's the center of it. But Jesus is not the reason for Christmas. Christmas happened because of our sin. We are the reason for Christmas. We are the reason that God sent his son. We are the reason that he suffered and died. Because we had a big problem. And that problem is sin. Christmas tells us two things. The first being that we've got a big problem. But the second, we, second thing we see is that Christmas tells us we've got an even bigger Savior. Praise God. The global pandemic of sin, that's the backdrop against which the first Christmas took place. When God in this crazy cosmic miracle becomes a baby and is born in a manger. When you see someone do the unusual, when you see something out of the ordinary, when you see someone, when you see someone do the unthinkable, the first question you ask is, why? My first year in college, my friends and I were typical foolish freshmen in college. We didn't know anything, but we thought we knew it all. We were playing intramural, playoff, intramural basketball that year, and we had made it to the playoffs. We won a few games in the playoffs, and we were excited. We thought we could win the whole thing. So in youthful passion, we said, let's all shave our heads. And so like stupid freshmen, we were like, yeah. Right? So we went to the bathroom of my dorm and shaved our heads. Remember, y'all, this is Pastor Deal, not me. Okay? Most of the other guys had done this before. Uh, no huge deal. They looked cool. But not me. As soon as I shaved my head, people started laughing. I thought to myself, it can't be that bad. When I looked in the mirror, I thought, oh man, I look like a Martian. That was the day I discovered that I had a big, sharp point on the top of my head like a mountain peak. My friend said, you shouldn't have done it, but it was too late. They started calling me Conehead or Alienation, right? For the next couple of weeks, I walked around campus looking like an alien. Everyone kept asking me, why did you do that? Why did you shave your head? It was painful to say I did it because we were in the intramural basketball playoffs, but it was even more painful to say that we lost the very next game. When someone does the unthinkable, the outrageous, people want to know why. Why did you decide to marry him after only one date? Why did you just quit your job like that? Why did you send your son to the earth in that way? I mean, of all the things that you could have given the world, why your son? Because on Christmas, God, the ultimate gift giver, gave us a gift that we needed above all. If humanity's greatest problem was a coronavirus, then 2,000 years ago, God would have sent a vaccine. He would have sent Pfizer. If our greatest problem was ignorance, then 2,000 years ago, God would have sent an educator, a teacher. If our greatest problem was finances, God would have sent a financial advisor. But our biggest problem was sin. And for that reason, God's gift to us was a savior. His name says it all. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus means Jehovah saves. Who, who is this child? It's God, 
who saves. Why was he born? He is God who saves. This child is God. He came to save. Save who? From what? It says, because he will save his people from their sins. He didn't come to save us from physical pain or from our difficulties or from our enemies or from our selfishness. He came to save us from our sins, the greatest enemy, the effects of which lead to death. He came to save us from the pandemic that was killing all of humanity. And that's what Christmas is about. We have a big problem, but we have an even bigger Savior. Praise God. When Elijah plays Super Smash Brothers, he likes to tell me who he's beaten. He says to me, Dad, to be the best, you have to beat the best. Right? And Christmas tells us that Jesus did that. He took on sin and death head on and defeated them for us. Maybe that doesn't seem like your reality. Maybe some of you are thinking, well, if Jesus is bigger than sin, then why do I struggle so much to be holy? Why do I struggle with sin so badly? And why does sin always get the best of me? I ask that question a lot too. This week I was home resting, quarantining with Olivia away from the rest of the family. And this week tested my patience like never before. Everything, I mean everything, seemed to annoy me. From the first day, it seemed like the kid's number one aim was try to try to get me to sin. Every act, every word was pushing my buttons. They were fighting more than usual. They were complaining more than usual. Their words were annoying me more than usual. They were not cute to me this week. I wondered whose children they were. And my selfishness and self-centeredness meters were going through the roof. I thought to myself, my goodness, I think having kids is worse than having COVID. So I said, if not aloud, at least in my head, guys, what's wrong with you? You guys are acting insane. Do you know how sick mom and dad are? We have the coronavirus. We have the coronavirus. This is what we've been trying to avoid for nine months. This is why dad's been working from home. It's why you're doing virtual school. It's why you're wearing masks and washing your hands all the time. The coronavirus, remember? Millions of people have died from it. Mom and dad are sick. And if you don't shape up, you know what's going to happen. And I would let their imagination take it from there. Needless to say, this imaginary conversation that I had was not very pretty. When the dust had settled and I thought about what I was saying, I thought to God, God, why is my heart still so sinful and wicked? Why is it so hard for me to love my own kids? Why do I struggle so much even after Jesus has saved me from my sin? Is not Jesus bigger than my sin? The strange thing is, well, maybe it's not so strange after all, but every Christmas, I have an outburst like this. Every Christmas, I do something that makes me say, I can't believe I did that. And every Christmas, God seems to smile and whisper in my ear, David, this is why I sent my son. This is what Christmas is all about. This is why you need a savior. I came for people like you, people who are messed up, sinful who yell at their kids and then feel guilty, who say things they don't mean and then wish they could take their words back. I sent my son for people like you, 
That's what Christmas is for. Because you see, the pandemic of sin is just like the COVID pandemic. Both viruses have penalties. The penalty is death. But Jesus came and removed the penalty of sin once and for all at the cross. But both COVID and sin also have power. Even after penalty has been paid, has been removed, we may be free from the penalty of COVID. It may not kill us, but we will still suffer from its power. We suffer aches, pains, fatigue, and loss of taste. Even though we may not die from COVID, we don't want to get it because we know it's powerful. We're vigilant because we know it's power. The same is true of sin. We may be free from its penalty, but we need to fight daily against its power. Christ has defeated sin, so we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. Harvest, let me read that again. Christ has defeated sin, so we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. We need to fight against the pandemic of sin and be as vigilant in our fight against sin as we are in our fight against COVID. Just as surely as one day we will be free from the presence of COVID, we also will also be free from the presence of sin when we enter our eternal home. And that's why Jesus came. To set us free from the penalty, the power, and the presence of sin. Nobody else can do this. Not you, not me, not your parents, not your friends. Who alone can rescue us from sin? Jesus. Only Jesus. And the beginning of the end of sin was when he came on Christmas Day. And this is our hope. Although our sin is big, our Savior is bigger. Let me read that again, church. This is our hope. Though our sin is big, our Savior is bigger. Amen? Amen. And this is why we can rejoice on Christmas Day. So, what does this mean for us? Three points of application. If you have not received the salvation offered in Jesus for your sins, you can trust him today. God has provided a vaccine for the sin that affects us all. Jesus became one of us. He took our virus upon himself. He suffered and died so that we could be forgiven and free. To make this yours, acknowledge that you're under the curse of sin. Confess that Jesus came to the world to save you from your sin. Put your trust in him and be the forgiver. Put your trust in him to be the forgiver of your sins and the master of your life. Second, allow the reality of COVID to awaken you to the reality of sin. Let's not fight against sin in all of its forms as violent. Let's fight against sin in all of its forms as violently as we fight against COVID. Let's not tolerate even a little bit of sin in our lives. Let's seek to eradicate it so that we could live lives of joy and holiness. See the pandemic as a warning from God that a greater virus is affecting us all. Allow his kindness to lead us to repentance. And lastly, in light of the fact that Jesus is bigger than our sins, let's put our hope in him. Let's not put our hope in a medical vaccine or in science or in medicine alone. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be vaccinated, but it means that a vaccine is not our ultimate hope. If none of the vaccines can protect us, or if, the or if the virus morphs and cannot provide the protection we need, 
Where will our hope lie then? Will, will you give up? Will you despair? Will you run to earthly distractions? Or will you hear God calling you to place your hope in him alone, in life and in death? Will you cling to him in greater trust? Will you realize that your true hope is not in this life, but in Christ alone? Because when you see him for who he is, the only response that would be fitting would be to fall and worship him, to give him all of yourself, to thank God for his gift to us in Christ, and to give all of our hearts in glad, honest, and heartfelt worship. This Christmas, let's see our sin for what it is, a terror far more wicked than a virus. But let's see our Savior for who he is, a Savior far more powerful than the worst of evils in this life. Let's entrust our lives to him fully. Because of Christmas, we have hope. Because of Christmas, we have a reason to rejoice. Let's pray. And church, you know, as the worship team is coming up and as we um, prepare to sing this song, let's take a moment to respond to God's word in our, in our lives. Church, we're not here um, because it's the Sunday before Christmas and that's what you're supposed to do as Christians, but we're here uh, to worship and honor our Heavenly Father, to hear his word and to respond to that word in our lives. And so let's, let's do that for a moment. Maybe in light of those three applications, maybe it's, uh, yeah, we need to acknowledge for the first time in our life that we need a savior from our sin, that there's nothing we can do to fix our situation, but we need the cure, which is Jesus. And we need the forgiveness of sin and our Heavenly Father to be the master of our lives. Maybe it's responding to him in that way. Maybe it's for those who are believers. Maybe it's uh, the need to trust, uh, uh, to fight um, the sin in our lives. Maybe we've been too casual with sin, allowing it to stick around, to be around. But just as we were encouraged that we don't want to flirt or toy with COVID-19, in the same way, let us run from the sin that seeks to entangle us in our lives. And then lastly, let's just trust that Jesus is bigger than our sin, that we may fall, but we get back up knowing that we trust the cross and what Christ says about us, that we're made clean because of the shed blood of Christ. And so let's take a moment to respond just in the quiet of our hearts. And then in a moment, I'll pray for us. But let's take a moment. Father, um, God, we thank you for this word, um, this word that was so precious that even uh, you would have our sick, sick pastor uh, prepare it faithfully for us so that we could hear, Lord God, reminders of the truth and the hope, Lord God, that life isn't what we see around our eyes. There is a dark cloud over our world, Lord God. But because of the cross, because of 
the manger, because of your son being born, there's a light that is shining through that pierces all the darkness, Lord God. We thank you for this reminder this morning, Lord God, that the hope that we celebrate in Christmas isn't something that's seasonal. It isn't something that we get hyped up about and then we put on the sail rack after the season has passed. But this is something that is life-changing, Lord God. It's something that gives us hope through all circumstances, Lord God. And so, Father, we want to cling to this joy that we have, Lord God. Apart from, again, the, the circumstances that we see around us, we trust that we, yeah, we trust in the work of Christ and your gift, the gift of your precious Son to be the redeemer of our sins, to bring us into relationship forever as your children. And so we thank you for this, God, and we pray that uh, this hope, this joy would drive us this week. And it would drive us to places where we're, we are unashamed to share the hope that we have in you. And so, Father, we pray just for the rest of this day um, in, in all that we do that you would receive the glory. We thank you. We pray this in Christ's name.